The following production is part of the We Be Geeks Podcast Collective. This podcast is brought to you in part by the Pop Insider. The Pop Insider has all the latest in news, merch reviews, and other geeky goodness. Whether you're a wizard, a Sith Lord, or a superhero, fuel your fandom at thepopinsider.com. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Produced with podcasting gear from Tascam. Trust your audio to Tascam. Sound thinking. You know how Finn never gets to tell Ray that one thing he wants to tell her? Or how Han Solo can give Leia a sarcastic quip but never really open up to her? Well, you don't have to be rebel scum or the captain of the Millennium Falcon to experience the kind of rich relationships and life that we all long for. I'm Mark Went, and I'm a men's wisdom coach. After people work with me, they have the confidence, emotional intelligence, and communication skills they need to be the heroes of their own story. To find out more, go to markwentcoaching.com, M-A-R-C-W-E-N-D-T, coaching.com. Crisis for the geek kind. Top geek officials admit they underestimated the hipster's defense capability. Geeks from all over the globe are joining up to fight for the future. They're doing their part. Are you? Join Weeby Geeks and the Geek Revolution and save the world. Service guarantees citizenship. Want to know more? Do not attempt to adjust your device. This is Extreme Freedom Audio Bulletin. It cannot be traced. It cannot be stopped. And it is the only free voice left in the Geek Revolution. And welcome to another episode of Weeby Geeks. It is the dashing duo, Derek and myself, Mike. And hey, Derek, we're we're right back to where we've been in the past. We've got guests this week uh, joining us from the independent film called The Parish. We have director and actor David S. Hogan and Angela DeMarco. How is everyone doing? Doing good. Doing good. Names that doing I all right. Good to good to be here. Good to names, be here. Names that I cannot butcher, Derek. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, we'll see about that. <laughs> um, so, I guess to start, how did the parish come about? How did how did the idea for the film come about? That's uh, a good story for Angela to tell. Go for it, Angela. Yeah, it's uh, our friend, uh, amazing friend and writer and filmmaker Todd Downing who many, many, many years ago uh, invited a group of actors over and we all sat around and read one of his screenplays. At this point, David and I had already worked with Todd on many short films. Uh, we also have, if you guys have heard of, of the uh, 48 hour film project, you know, there's festivals all over the globe right. and it's basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. We did a couple of those with him, which is wild. You get super, either you hate the person after or you get really quiet, you know, really close. <laughs> and we got really tight with Todd. He's a great collaborator. And and that was the parish. And that night I told Todd, I don't know when, but we're going to make this movie. So, I mean, this had to be at least six years ago. 
So then flash forward, David and I approached him and said, hey, we're in a position, we would love to produce it. David came on as director, I came on as executive producer, and we started kind of reworking the script, um, made the, the daughter a teenager instead of a little kiddo. We worked on my character, Liz, a little bit more, knowing that I'd be stepping into her shoes. And yeah, and here we are. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah, I I loved how the, the touch was. Uh, your daughter was older, more the teenager. Um, still very. Um, oh, I can't think of the right word. It's been a long day. Uh, very. Uh, still very. Um, very suasive, I guess, from the move. Yeah. Um, I know suasive is not the word I'm looking for. Uh, it's, it's something I can relate to. Uh, even though my family was not a military family, I moved around a lot. So, Ooh, me too. Um, kind of very almost sheltered, but not sheltered. Right. Is well, another. It's like what you're saying, Mike, by us making her a teenager, and this is not a spoiler, anybody who reads the IMDb or the description will be able to gather that I lose my. My husband, she loses her father. Having an eight-year-old understanding that kind of grief versus a teenager, it made it so kids, yeah. So I I agree, Mike. By making her a teen, it was, yeah, it was more relatable for a lot of our uh, teen viewers when we were uh, doing private screenings and trying to get feedback from folks. But like you said, she's going to understand grief more and deal with it in in a young adult way. So we thought that was important. So I'm curious. I always, um, I'm always curious about decisions like that. So what? How did you come about making that decision to to change her age? Was it just something that popped in your head, or was it a process that led to that? Yeah, that was actually one of David's ideas. When David came on as a director, he immediately started looking at the script, and started thinking about, and this is, you know, you, you got to think of a uh, uh, stranger things had come out. Right. And we have all these teenagers and it's awesome. And also tweens and how relatable and the reach that that show has received. So I think for us, we knew a distribution wise, demographic wise, awesome. But also for me, I didn't, it's different for, for me to uproot a, a seven or eight year old and they just kind of have to deal with it. Versus someone that I had to like go bat to bat with, you know, go face to face with. Um, And then also, David, if you want to speak to, you know, David wanted the father Felix role even to be a little um, more central because we knew we were going to be approaching Bill Oberst Jr. for that role. Yeah, well, I think the teenager, a teenager gives you a little more maturity and independence. I mean, when I was a teenager, I was definitely rebelling a lot. So I think by making the character a bit older, you have the, some, uh, the opportunity to get that character out into the world a bit more and to get into trouble or get into mischief or go exploring basements that are a bit creepy or making, you know, making friends with mysterious kids who maybe ghosts, no spoilers, maybe a spoiler. But I think having just a teenager and they always say, you know, don't work with kids or dogs. So I was like, all right, a teenager's like a small adult. So hopefully that'll be easier for me to deal with. <laughs> <laughs> At least so. Yeah, no doubt. Oh. 
having you know, I didn't deal with a death in the of a a parent when I was a kid. I just recently dealt with a, a death of a parent. But you know, going back to moving around a lot, though, mm-hmm. um, it is kind of easier if you know we started moving around a lot right you know, around that eight year old when I was around seven or eight. So it was like okay, some of this was kind of easier. But as a teenager, it's like okay, this is more difficult. And then throw on top of that, you know, which I have experienced, like I said recently, you know, the death of the the father, you know, my mm-hmm. father. Um, even though that's more current, I could relate completely. Okay, death of the father, moving around a lot, how I felt then, you know, mm-hmm. where I didn't, you know, our final move before I graduated high school was uh, my sophomore, is right before I hit my sophomore year of high school. And just how awkward that is to, mm-hmm. to begin with. Um, uh, Sinai did an amazing job with that. Um, and we were talking before show, she would have been on with us tonight, except, you know, she pulled a marathon filming session, uh, in the last day or two. And yeah, it doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are. A, a marathon session, you, you get some rest afterwards because there's been yeah. none and you're, and you're dragging near the end and fighting to, to make it normal at the end. Um, and she's grade A student. I mean, she's like slaying her schoolwork and pulling these 16 wow. to 20 plus hour wow. nights on this film. I mean, she's just, she's very mighty. Wow. So hopefully we could get her on in the future. Um, yeah. But, but Mike, do want to say like I similar we moved around a ton and just so you know something I shared with Sanaya because something a lot of people don't know is Sanaya approached me on a red carpet at SIF we had a film in SIF David and I and she approached me she was maybe 11 or 12 at the time and just introduced herself to me so I pulled her up on the red carpet with me and she was just to this day she's like oh my god I can't I remember when you did that and we got this photo I was like you want to be an actor she said yeah I said okay let's let's see what we can do she started coming to our acting studio I then became her private coach and so we knew when this film came around we both were like this has got to be Sanaya. This is so, and she's the furthest from this role too. She's the sweetest, like I said, straight A student, not angsty, not disrespectful. Her favorite place is Disneyland. She's such an amazing, pure human being. But I shared with her my experience very close to yours, Mike. I said, you know, when I was growing up, so my, I lost my father, but I wasn't there. I, I didn't know how. And that's a lot of what you got to think of right, her right. character, Audrey, not knowing how, except what she's told and everything's left to the imagination. And then, as you can imagine, my mom then is a single mom with two kids. God, Mike, I think I lived in 12 to 13 different places by the time I reached college. Easily. So, so yeah, I had I had 13 different street addresses by the time I graduated high school. Yeah, and then, yeah. And then, my, and then I ended up going to a few other colleges afterwards before I met my wife, which, you know, that that was at my parents' final move before I got married. And after I got married, when we moved down here to Orlando, my parents continued to move a few more times. So wow. it's like, it just never stopped. Uh, thankfully, you know, they, they stopped long enough where... When a couple of the colleges didn't work out for me, and I went home to try and go to a community college to get a try and get a associate's or a, to get an associate's degree, uh, I was able to meet my wife and then yeah. uh, get and she helped get my head on straight and you know, the rest is history. So yeah, 
Isn't that what I did to you, David? Isn't that what I've done for you in these 20 years? I was just about to say that, yeah. Wives are our saviors, really. Well, I mean, what would I do without my wife? I would be, I'd be lost. Thank you, honey. And for those yeah, listening who you know. don't know, yes, we're married. Uh, so separate rooms in the house for, for podcasting. Exactly. Separate rooms, totally. We don't sleep for in the every- same bed. It's been 20 years, you know? Oh, no. <laughs> no, we do. Come on. But we got to have our, I got to have my own space for the, the two people in the same Zoom screen or the same Skype screen. It's just a bit crowded. Yeah, <laughs> we, we, we've we've done it, though. But uh, it, it's it's cool that you know, you'll take your own uh, spot in the room and have it still, you know, we see your own personalities for well, what rooms you choose. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm assuming Angela's a sports fan, hence why David's in room that's got a Seattle Seahawks picture in the background. Absolutely. So well, she it took it took about ten years to wear Angela down, and I finally have turned her into a legitimate Seahawks fan. So that's mission accomplished over I'm here. Oh, I'm sorry, Angela. <laughs> <laughs> If we go football, Derek's a Patriots fan because of where he's located and because of influence with where my dad grew up. I'm a Cleveland Browns fan, which we had a heck of a a year last year. Yeah, I can get behind the Browns. I've got family in Toledo, so I like the Browns. Um, So there's a reason they're called the Browns, and that's all I'm going to say. Oh, Eric. <laughs> yeah, because they were named after Paul Brown, the original owner. Okay. Uh, okay. Sure, that's the story they tell you. <laughs> okay, truth is the, the, the river there in Cleveland is is pretty muddy. So <laughs> um so how did you end up doing the casting for the rest of the film? Mm. Well, we have, you know, we've been in the Northwest for a long time. We've both been in the industry for a while, too. Uh, I kind of, I've been acting for about 20 years. Angela's been acting since she was a kid. So she's been around doing this thing longer than I have. But we have a lot of friends that are actors or people we know, people we respect. We've been really into the theater scene. That's where I started. So 20 years of theater, 10 years of on camera and being just a relatively, I'm a social person. I like connecting. Um, so I know a lot of the actors. So that was where I started reading the script and just thinking of people that I like, that I want to work with, and that I also think are really great actors. And then just did kind of a legitimate casting session where you reach out to agents, get self-tapes popped in, and then you do some in... This is back when you could do in-person callbacks and get close to people. So we had in-person callbacks. The auditions felt, you know, very industry standard. And the only... Like Bill, getting connected with Bill was the big... uh, the big find because I didn't know Bill personally, but I did connect with him through social media because I saw a couple of his interviews because I love watching YouTube interviews with people who are in the industry. And he had a lot of really great wisdom and advice for actors who moved to L.A. And as a actor and a coach who I work with a ton of actors and that's their dream, too. They're always like, I'm going to L.A. And there is kind of a fantasy, like, I'm just going to, once I get there, I'll figure it all that. I'll figure it all out. It's like, no, 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 slow down. Let's have a plan. And Bill really laid it out about, you know, things you can do to help yourself be successful. And I just love the way he was 
talking about the business. He came across as a really wonderful human being. And then once you get to watch his work, you're like, damn, what an amazing actor. He's in the horror genre as kind of a, you know, an icon. And then I, I, kinda, I, just, I just reached out to the guy. I sent him the script, asked him if he wouldn't mind reading it. And luckily, he liked the movie. He liked the script anyway, and he liked the part. Yeah, and with the, you know, with the casting, Mike, it also was one of those things that for Bill, what David and I know of of his, I mean, he's been in over 200 films. I mean, the man is pushing like 220 films. This is a, a role we had never seen him play, which we were excited, but there was that opportunity, that not opportunity, there was that uh, chance that he would go, oh no, this isn't my type or my brand. Like I'm the villain or I'm the crazy clown or I'm, the, I mean, he has played some twisted dark stuff, right? But he loved it for that reason. So that was a plus. And with our local talent, we just did casting out of Seattle. We have such a great film community here. And I was born and raised here. So I've been here 40 plus years. And we used to have a lot of films that came through town, you know, back in the day, when you think of like Rose Red, the TV show, Stephen King and Harry and the Hendersons. And, you know, then a lot has obviously shifted up to Canada or back down to L.A. So we're always trying to make films that not put us back on the map, but at least to show like, look at this amazing talent pool here, because now we live in a world we can Skype and self tape and zoom for other projects that are all over the globe. But when we did callbacks, I do have to give a shout out to David as a director. It was awesome. He had me there as the reader. So most of them are getting to read with the actress who's actually playing the part, which rarely happens. We as actors are always opposite someone who's our reader, who's maybe been told to be quiet and talk fast and not connect. And it's so, can I swear? Shitty. I didn't, I mean, that's not that bad of a word, but it's super shitty. It is like, it sucks, man, as an actor that you're like trying to give everything and this person doesn't want to be there. So I gave my actors so much in the callback and David Even the people who didn't get cast, they contacted us after the fact and said, thank you for taking time because we spent at least 15 minutes with every actor, if not longer. So at least they got to act that day. And that's what we want to do. You know what I mean? Right. So it was, yeah, it was a really great process. Yeah, I I know, um, like, being an audio engineer, you know, before I ended up getting with Disney that I was, I was told the interview is probably the most important thing you ever do in your life. Mm. Not the, not the job itself. And, you know, I've heard it with the auditions is the auditions is the most important role you ever do. Oh yeah. So the more auditions you do, the better. Even And even though I am very satisfied with where I'm at at work, I have done some interviews for jobs just to keep the skills up because I never knew when it was going to happen. And then last year with, with the furlough and everything was like, okay, if I need to find something to keep me going until I get recalled back to work. Yeah. I need to interview, you know, I'm glad I've had these, you know, did some of those interviews to keep the chops going. Um, But then again, I think by podcasting and doing the interviews like we're doing with you guys tonight, it's it's very similar of if I can sell myself or sell the show, we're, we're all good. 
and that's what you're doing with the auditions. You're selling yourself. So I, so in many ways y'all put on not an audition, but a workshop. Right. Yeah. It felt, it felt pretty, you, sh- you guys, I wish both of you could have been in that room or we should have taped it and got a image release or video release, but Jen Hammond, shout out that woman. She's our sister, Beatrice. Uh, the new art that Uncorked is putting out there, the poster is the young sister Beatrice, no spoilers, but, you know, young uh, Beatrice definitely had a hard life, you know, and that is revealed in the in the film. But she came in. Yes, she's a friend of ours from the theater world, an amazing uh, educator as well, teaching artist, but a phenomenal actor. And David brought her in, and even though he was like, well, you know, we really wanted this to be an older uh, actress, this is supposed to be much, you know, later uh, in life for her. But he was like, okay, let's go straight to the, if you guys have seen the film, which you have, Mike, the big scene between her right. and Father Felix. I mean, without me saying too much, I want people to obviously see the film. It's pretty epic. There's a lot of screaming, a lot of exorcism, a lot of Latin, a lot of a lot of strain. And David and her just, it was epic. We had to warn everybody else in our building. At that time, we were at an old studio that had a couple shared businesses. I was like, I think there's going to be some blood curdling screams and some words you don't understand but um don't worry we're not doing a poltergeist or an exorcism well kind of but not officially it was epic and we you know just uh, just Just so you know just so you know (laughs) now if if you want to come over for the party afterwards that's fine be cool (laughs) right yeah, sure. yeah totally. They'll, they'll be they'll be wine and crackers. Yeah, bring your wine. Liz loves wine. Yeah. Um, so I I love the choice with her. It was brilliant. Um, what made you guys decide? Um, with the ghosts that uh, Sinai is dealing with the janitor. Oh no, no, Lucas, the uh, Caleb, the kid? Caleb, the kid, Caleb. Yeah, with the twist oh, at the that, end. Oh. Is it because was it originally the same thing? They were going to be younger because the daughter was going to be younger, and now that she's high school, they were high school age. They were always in the original story. Yes, they would have been whatever age that actor would have been. Um, And yes, uh, Todd kept working uh, on his own with it being... I mean, this is kind of a huge spoiler, everybody listening. So don't, maybe, <laughs> I don't know. I guess we're just going to do it because you'll just have to watch. But he, he kept playing with whether it was just Caleb or what we find out it is, Caleb and. Um, and as for the janitor, uh, which I won't spoiler his connection, we've got a lot of, you know, sprinklings of ghost stories and exorcisms. But what hope, hopefully what everybody sees and why I as a producer and even David, because I, you know, suck him in. I am very intrigued by stories about grief. But I am also a huge horror movie buff. I have been Stephen King and Nightmare on Elm Street since I was about seven. Addicted. My Uncle Guido used to babysit me. He'd get stoned and we'd listen to either Pink Floyd The Wall or watch Nightmare on Elm Street and or The Shining. Good choices. Yeah. 
dude. And my sister would be upstairs writing. She's an amazing writer, older sister, and was like, oh, I'll just let my sister hang out with Guido. Okay. Shout out to Guido. So we're still very close. Um, but I was just addicted. And I now look back at Stephen King books I read and he, he always has such great characters and storyline. Not that Nightmare on Elm Street didn't, but I wanted to merge the two. So when the parish came into our lap, I was like, it's a slow burn exorcism, really a ghost story. But how awesome throughout everybody, even the quote unquote villains are all dealing with grief, what Sister Beatrice went through with her father, what her son went through, what Caleb went through because of what Sister Beatrice and her son went through, what Sanaya, uh, Audrey's character, is going through with the loss of her dad but still believing he's with her because she has faith, and then what Liz is going through, and Father Felix is dealing with his own demons. Yeah. Aren't we all – how great would it be if we all could just share and be more open about the fact that, like, life can suck – I got grief. Let's talk about it instead of run away from it, hide from it, or pretend it doesn't exist. And that's really what the film's about, is how that can tear you apart and or some secrets are worth I, killing for. I did notice it did kind of have a uh, a Stephen King vibe, but it also have very much a Clive Barker vibe Ooh. a little bit Thanks. as well. Um with you know, with some of his horror, that's not the the gore, the gory horror like um, Nightbreed. Uh, it, it was hitting more of the Weep World, more of the uh, um, oh, I can't think of his other stories, uh, Aberat type vibe. Um, yeah, this is not a TNA blood creature flick, really. You no, know? no, which was I I liked this approach with the horror. I mean, we. You know, because of uh, shout out to to Clint and the team over at October Coast, um, we've we've seen quite a quite a bunch of indie horror films and of all kinds: the Thrasher, yeah. the Slasher. Um, to to go old school uh, with this, where it's more psychological, I I absolutely enjoyed. You know, going that Omen, Poltergeist. Um, oh, Amityville horror type vibe it is you know a throwback a nice it was a nice throwback to the to the 70s and early 80 horror films you just made Todd's night I'm gonna tell him you said that it's huge that's that's his every research he gave me when we were doing this and even early on he was like watch this film watch this film and they all were from the 70s and the 80s and also what a lot of people don't know is Todd wrote this after he lost his wife to cancer so he oh, wow. wrote this from a place of grief, being a single dad of two kids, and how the uh-huh. hell you have faith after that, and and as a father, and and, and he still turned the story as from a, a mother's perspective because he's very much like me. He loves and David that he loves strong female leads. Um, but uh, I love that you got that. I love that. It's awesome. I, but David, you mentioned one of David's favorite films. Well, Poltergeist. <laughs> of course. I don't know why that's that's the one that from my youth really sticks out for me. That when that meat was just kind of creeping across the kitchen counter and the and the guy yeah. that scratches his face off. Oh yeah. my god. When I was a kid that terrified me. Uh <laughs> Since we're on the topic real quick of, of 70s and 80s movie uh, horror films, is there one horror film? Uh, I don't think we, we've had mainstream, we've had any real horror films recently. Um, 
is there one horror film that really has scared the crap out of you and you're like I I will only watch this if I absolutely have to. I think Angela Angela <laughs> clearly has an idea. She's over there doing the raising the roof thing. What do you got, Angela? David, you go first. Oh, I mean, I think probably The Exorcist. I don't think I am. I don't know if I'd watch I that agree. again. I mean, it's like I feel Me. like and all. Yeah, yeah, Derek, you know how it is. And I feel like oh, I talk to people. It may have been Bill. I it may have been a conversation with Bill about maybe someone that he was talking with. Or maybe when we were in Italy, somehow I was talking to people who actually have done exorcisms. And I'm like, because when you watch the movie, I'm like, okay, that's scary, but that can't be real. But things like that, they really happen. And I just, that just frightens the, the demonic possession. <laughs> and that just that just would scare. So I don't think I'd watch that movie again. I would have to be, I don't know. I'd have to be in some kind of mood because I just think that movie is terrifying. Yeah, I don't think I. Yeah, I agree. I watched it once. Uh, I was alone. It was nighttime, and uh, it was the dumbest thing I ever did. <laughs> Never alone, Derek. Never alone. No, it's one of those. For me, growing up, again, I look back and I'm and I was a dark kid. Now, mind you, obviously there was a lot happening, and and God, you know, my mom is just such a badass and so amazing, and she just always held it down and took care of us. But we we saw a lot. I saw a lot of stuff growing up, and obviously experienced a lot of stuff, and had to learn a lot of stuff really early on at a very young age about death, about grief, about everything. Um, but yet I was so drawn and connected for nightmare on Elm street. I was just infatuated with Robert, with Mr. Yeah, Freddy yeah. Krueger as an artist. Cause I was already acting by the time I was seven, I got an agent at a really early age, just as a fluke, which probably was like a benefit to our household. Cause sometimes my acting paychecks put dinner on the table. Um, and that was something that my mom did it cause she knew I enjoyed it, but it wasn't like she was never a momager, which is great. So that was what that was for me. I could watch those now, no problem. But Stephen King, there's a lot of books I read that I probably couldn't pick up again. The movies never messed me up as bad as his books because I always had such an active imagination. But I would say for my younger self, and it still made an impact on me to this day. I did watch it since as an adult, and I'm like, oh, it's not as bad as I remember, but that was Serpent in the Rainbow. Okay. Ooh. What that was for me was, oh my God, this is something that can happen. Someone blows dust in your face. You appear dead to everyone around you. They bury you, and you wake up six feet under. You have to scratch your ass out of out of your grave. I mean, that, that movie terrified me. But as for adult Angela, we recently saw a film that I don't know if I will touch it again. Shout out to Tony Collette, Hereditary. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen that one yet. Oh my God, gentlemen! Oof. Please tell me you're going to email me when you watch it. It is yeah. so effed up. I'll say shitty, but I won't go the f bomb for you guys. <laughs> it is so twisted. <laughs> and we watched um, Midsummer. Was that was that was the other one, honey? The same filmmaker. Same same filmmaker. It's it's yeah. like it's written. You'd think oh, it might be pronounced mid, Midsomar, like Midsomar. Oh, yeah, that's how they pronounce it wherever it's from. That yeah, was, that's same same director, same filmmaker, and equally just disturbing cult. That's like 
rituals and cults, which also are one of those things that scares the hell out of me. But you should watch both of those movies because you'll get turned on to a great director. Yeah, Hereditary. (laughs) I've always loved Tony, Tony Collette. Uh, I just say she's so raw and amazing and powerful. Tony, if you're listening, I want to work with you. Angela DeMarco, find me. Um, but she, you guys will be blown away by her in this film. It And it is, and it's one of those films where I, I will definitely not give you a spoiler. Stuff happens and you're like, oh, I mean, literally both Dave and I like did nuts. And I am the girl, unfortunately, who always sees everything coming. Sixth Sense, I knew. I won't spoil it for anybody who hasn't seen that movie. Like, I always know. And poor David's always like, God, honey, shut up. I'm like, it's <laughs> obvious. I, da, 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 da. I had no idea what wow. was going on with that film. Wow. It, it, I did not sleep that night. It has yeah. been a long time for a film to do that to me. Hereditary. See, for me, it's the same as Derek and, and David. Exorcist. Uh, <laughs> Even though being in the entertainment business, a technician, and I know how all the effects and everything is done. Yeah. I will watch that movie one more time. And that's when my daughter decides she wants to watch it. (laughs) And if she wants to watch The Exorcist, she's not watching this remake crap, which, yeah, it was decent. It's like, if you're going to watch the original and you really want to be scared, or if you want to watch The Exorcist and really be scared, we're watching the original. I don't Thank care you. how mm-hmm. campy you think it is now. It will, st- even though the effects and everything seem cheesy now, it will still, story will still scare the crap out of you. I agree. Mm-hmm. That's like Carrie, you know, again, mm-hmm. fine, mm-hmm. the new generation loves the remakes. That original sissy space at Carrie, mm. Stephen King. Oh my God. That movie was some stuff. I remember watching that like, Oh, how old was I? I may, I may overshare for all the, I'm in a room with men, but for me, I was like, I don't want my period ever. Like that movie made mm. for young girls, the scariest stuff ever. How they bullied her in the shower. Ooh, I hated mm. those girls. Mm. Since we're talking Stephen King real quick, favorite Stephen King novel. Oh, obvious. You want me to go first? Sure. Shining. Okay. Loved it. I love the movie too. I think he usually, because I love that Stephen is involved in almost all, I think all, sorry if I'm misspeaking, his films. The, yeah, the, he's the been involved in all, yeah. Okay, because that's the same as one of our playwright faves that we love, Tracy Letts. Like, he always was involved, like when he did August Osage County. But anyway, I loved, obviously, the, the movie. But that book, and I'm, remember, I was very young when I was reading these. It made such an impression on me. But, I mean, I was reading all of them, Night Shift, Thinner. I mean, I was about, I was, I was addicted. I was so addicted. What about you, David? I would say the, the Shining is pretty high up there, and that's also the film. You know, Jack Nicholson, obviously it's hard not to love Jack, but I think there's something about Jack's – the size of his performances are often very large. You know, some actors are much more known for their nuance and their subtlety, but Jack has a certain kind of thing about him that's just so – it's got a flourish, and I've always really loved that. But Christine also – maybe because I'm a car 
guy. Not that I, I don't know how to build cars, but I can drive them. So something about Christine sticks out to me too. And I think I read, I'm also a huge dog buff. So I, I, I'm, I'm positive I read Cujo and, and oh, really like that too. But Cujo. That, that's my favorite. Yeah. We, and we Pet Cemetery. Savage. Pet Cemetery is great. I don't know that, if I've read that one. I've seen it. Oh, I still have it, honey. And that, not only okay. did I love reading that one, that one for me, the movie that for everybody who's mm-hmm. seen the Achilles tendon slice. Ooh. Yeah, that's yeah. that's that, that sticks around as something, a, a kind of pain that I can only imagine. And when I imagine it, yeah. I change the subject quickly. Yeah, it's not good. David, since you said you liked Christine, you'll appreciate the fact we actually had Malcolm Denier on the show who was in Christine. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Heck yeah. Um, Derek, you said uh, Cujo's one of your favorites. Mm-hmm. You agree? It, it's my favorite. Yeah, it's my favorite, mm-hmm. and I I don't think it'll ever be turned into a movie. Is Eyes of the Dragon? Oh, oh. snap! I'm writing this. He wrote it as a read. he read it or he wrote it as a bedtime story for his kids. Oh my god! And I, I remember okay. it came out in the. Uh, in the late eighties. Okay. That's when I got introduced to it. Cause I was, I was really into, uh, at the time Dungeons and Dragons. I'm like, Oh, Stephen King's tackling this world. I'm like, okay. And, That's awesome. and it, I've never read this one, Mike. And it did have a, a little bit of a flair. Um, but like I said, he wrote it as a bedtime story for his kids. Totally, totally different approach to his other writings. Um, but I think around that time, as as much as I I did love some of his I I loved uh, the Richard Bachman books mm. of his and mm. those were the mm-hmm. stories that I I really liked um, that he was doing outside of his you know Stephen King books but it was around that time of Eyes of the Dragon that I also got introduced to Clive Barker mm-hmm. uh, and of course the first Clive Barker book I read was Cabal which turned into the movie Nightbreed. Yeah. Wow. What a trip. (laughs) What a trip. Um, I wish they'd make Wee World into a movie. That would be, that would be incredible. I I almost wonder with this whole pandemic, I mean, even with the parish, how it affected us now with the parish and yay. So excited that it's like going to be in stores and people pre-order and get it finally on Amazon next week. And we have now fully signed around with Uncorked with even foreign distribution and we'll start negotiating streaming stuff too. But it has made me as a filmmaker, at least in this pandemic, where so many people have slowed down and so many productions haven't been able to continue that I wondered, Mike, if like people were going to go back to like books, you know, looking at books and mm. or it'll be so inter- like what they should turn into a film and or what are writers doing now with this this year with this time and I can't wait to see especially when we get back to our new normal whatever that's going to look like especially for the horror and psychological thriller genres I think we're going to have some twisted stuff man I think there's going to be some (laughs) crazy 2022 releases I mean we even have I mean even our third feature that we didn't get to finish because of this pandemic we have three more days Mr. Bleacher's Hopefully we'll come back and be on your guys' show again. It's yeah. some, it's a lot more twisted than the parish. Uh, but yeah, that I always there's so many books. I'm like, why didn't they do this one? Why didn't they do? Uh, I'm going to interrupt here real quick. Let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. 
Have you ever wanted to deeply connect with someone the way Vision does with Scarlet Witch? Or be the stand-up guy like Cyclops is for Jean Grey? Well, you don't have to be fused to an Infinity Stone or be the leader of a superhero team to have the kind of relationships in life we all long for. Mark Went is a men's wisdom coach, and after people work with him, they have the confidence, emotional intelligence, and communication skills they need to be the heroes of their own story. To find out more, go to markwentcoaching.com. That's M-A-R-C-W-E-N-D-T coaching.com. And we're back. Do this. We, I forgot who... We, we've, we've covered so many independent films and independent film artists, which we absolutely love having having you guys on because it, it's, it seems like there's a lot more a lot more difference between um, an independent film. It seems, it, it's, I hate to equate it to minor league sports and professional, and then the the top tier <laughs> sports, you know, the main the main major league sports. Um, right. But you know, minor league sports, the, it seems to be more love for for the game. Well, the, it seems like there's more love for the film with the independents, even mm-hmm. though there are a lot of your your big stars do a lot of the independent work as well because of the love of film. Yeah, um, and it's it's just. Something to do in between major projects is, is, well, we got this major project, but, you know, we're still trying to get the funding for this, funding for that. Independent films, mm-hmm. I mean, it is very, I don't want to say guerrilla style, but sometimes it is guerrilla style. Right. Sure. Um, I just totally forgot where I was going. I hate getting old. It also feels with independent films, there's less... Um, Less people sticking their hands in it. Yeah. Oh, it feels. I don't know if pure is exactly the right word, but something like you know, you know what I mean. Like, yeah. Well, we 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 did one. Uh, we we reviewed or not reviewed. We had cast from one movie where uh, the guy was going through what security tapes or okay. Or was going through uh, conversations with, um, like over 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 the internet meetings, and, and, mm-hmm. a, and a murder happens. Or oh boy, do you do you remember this, oh, Derek? Yeah, I'm like this could easily have been done during the pandemic, and what, but it was all pre-pandemic, right? Um, yeah. And then we did. Uh, and then last year we actually had an interview with someone who did one of the first independent films during the pandemic. Oh wow! Okay. In the early parts, and I'm like, yeah, that was cool. How hard would it be to do a a horror film during the pandemic with mm-hmm. very little person to person contact, where yeah. it was all mm-hmm. done over a Skype or a, a Zoom type situation? Um, well, I mean, for us, I mean, it is exactly what even like. First of all, circling back to what Derek was saying, totally that's how the parish came to be. We could not have got that film done if it wasn't for like the purity and love of all the artists. Because Dave and I have been in this industry for a long time. People respect our company and our acting studio, Mighty Tripod. And we reached out to crew we'd worked on and had made relationships with over decades or a decade. The actors that we auditioned, some were friends of ours from the old theater world. Some were students of ours from the acting studio. So we got on set and it's just like Derek was saying, there weren't like nine producers going, 
oh, we need more of this or, you know, it was us like we had yeah. full control. We were running the show when Bill had suggest uh, suggestions or an actor had an idea or the way David even made our students who came on to be featured extras feel. We spent time with everyone. And I think everyone gave like a thousand percent versus Dave and I have been on big budget, you know, network TV shows or big budget films before. And that's not the case. You know, you don't get to know everyone's name. You don't get to talk to everybody. The names sometimes that you work with, they're in their trailer until they absolutely have to come on set. So indies do feel like family. And I think now with the pandemic, just to answer that question, Mike, like Mr. Bleachers, our other feature, we can't, or at least as of last year, there was no way the three scenes we have left before we're wrapped, there was no way we could safely do it last year. But now people are getting vaccinated. Dave and I have already had our first shot. There are these great uh, rapid testing um, COVID compliance officers you can hire. So when people even get to set, so we're hopefully gonna be finishing the film during the pandemic. But also, I've got three short films that uh, Dave and I are producing and or producing and are acting in over the course of the next three months. One of them, we have edited and changed certain scenes to be exterior only, just so everyone feels safe. Uh, originally, there were some really claustrophobic moments that were inside, and we're going to still create those, but outside. Everyone's going to get tested, obviously, before going to set. But I have had a couple of our students who many of them leave our studio and start their own companies or produce their own work who have made some pretty cool uh, Zoom horror movies, you know, where no, everybody was safely at home, but yet right. stuff was going down. And it was cool. I think we're not all sharing what we're doing, but I bet you guys and so will we we're going to see some stuff that people have pulled off in this so far year. And let's be honest, we have another year probably of a lot of people not feeling safe going back to like normal sets and going full, full hog. So I think there's going to be a lot more. I would love to see what something like that would look like with a budget, you know, with a pretty big budget, that would be cool. But you know, if people have got the big budget, then they're just going to get everybody tested and do the quarantine pod thing and do it mm. like, yeah. Right. Yeah. See, I, I think this is the time for the next big Blair Witch Project style film to, oh. to be coming out. Woo! I don't know. I wish they let it be the first one. That was good. Yeah, you- I think I think it's time for something different. Yeah. Well, no, I mean. Where is it's an independent film of that small budget that becomes a box office smash or right. even, or even a streaming smash? Yeah, uh, and and the last film to really to have done that and done that well was Blair Witch Project. So yeah. I'm, I'm thinking not the style of movie itself, but you know, the small budget film, uh, the indie mm-hmm. film. There, there. It's it's I think because of the pandemic. Uh, I, I'm waiting to see that new. What's the new Blair Witch mm. that's going to come uh, out? And really, uh, what, what was interesting is it is called the Parish. <laughs> the, the it's, it's definitely that, the Parish. It is. It is clearly the Parish. We've we've we figured this out right here on the show. Get on it, Uncorked. You here first, folks? Yeah, totally. Uh, but the, I think you might be right. That, there might be another one of those. Yeah. Movie that Mike was referring to that that we watched was was actually a love story 
which is interesting. And I think the fact that, that well, that's the they se- did that's the second one. Oh no, the one that was done during the pandemic. Yeah, during pandemic. Yeah, and I think the f- the fact that it was during that the pandemic was a big part of it actually made it kind of more interesting than your average love story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is cool. Well, and on top of that, uh, they also filmed it right as the um, the race wa- riots in Portland were starting up as well. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Uh, the movie's called Love Dangerously. Or Love, well, right. Okay. Is it Love Dangerously or Love Dangerous? I thought wasn't it Love and Dangerous Times or something like that. Okay. Something like that. I'll look up all of them. Um, I, I <laughs> clearly listening. I asked Clint, ask Clint at uh. Oh, right. it, it was one of their films. It was one of their films that they Shout out promoted. To Kent, our amazing PR and marketing um, guru interview everything. And, and yeah, I, it was I think, Love in Dangerous Times. Love okay, it. great. And that I, was really Thank you, Derek. And I think we initially caught it thinking, okay, well, it is a horror film, like mm-hmm. what we've got. And we were like, as we were talking um, before we, we brought them on. Uh, that particular night, we're like this was not what we expected for the film, and we were yeah. suckered yeah. in big time for the whole thing. And th- this was a, a total breath of fresh air, and really, really, really enjoyed it. I love that. And, and I think films, a lot of our indie films, whether they're actually filming in COVID, which obviously these folks did, even like The Parish, we literally were just getting signed around with Uncorked and talking about that limited theatrical release well obviously couldn't do that the pandemic yeah. then hit and then it was All like right. to our our uh, our connection there and he's like guys um do you want to wait we were like no so i think we're also going to see more films that we may have missed the buzz because we don't even get a limited but yet it's kind of cool to go hey here's still new content coming out and just like you said mike there's stuff that's just like look how how many places we can look for stuff now which is cool i think it's awesome because for me as an artist i love looking at all the levels sometimes i do want to just watch an indie sometimes i'm on youtube looking at stuff right now for tiktok you know that's something dave and i just love watching and cracking up and then obviously there's the big budget stuff people get sucked into too but i love that um just the love we've been getting from the film for the parish has been, it's just been amazing because I really thought it, it, it was going to hurt us, obviously, this pandemic, which I think a lot of filmmakers were worried about. So, you know, I so think right on. No festival. So. Yeah, we did some early on, right before pandemic. And then, boom, all these pandemics, it got to the point that once we were signed around, uh, not all these pandemics, all the festivals, a lot of them, as you guys know, canceled. So we did, of course, submit to SIF, our local and wonderful, amazing uh, film festival many people have heard of. And they didn't have one. You know, it all was like streaming or canceling or not accepting as many festivals. It was it was hard. And by the time we hit summer of last year, I just said to David and we were then fully signed around by then. I said, let's just get this film out there. You know, we, we just wanted to get it out. We would have loved to have done a longer festival run. But we we did do some and we did um, we were premiere at uh, a great festival and almost like an AFM, for lack of a better here in Seattle, the Seattle Film Summit. And they gave us an amazing premiere. So at least all the cast and crew and a lot of the locals got to have a really great red carpet experience. So now it's like, cool, now you can cool. buy it, own it and let's get it out there. And then. 
the buzz that's been created for Mr. Bleachers has been insane. So we're already excited to like immediately jump into that. And the pandemic, we're now fully edited. Like literally the film is just waiting for us to finish those three days. So yeah, then it'll be great to get that out. That one, hopefully we'll be able to do some festivals, you know? Now, um, y'all were saying the movie comes out, uh, as when the show drops, it'll come out this coming week uh, on the 16th of March um, in in stores on Amazon, I'm assuming. It's stores on Amazon and then currently negotiating all the different platforms like Netflix, Shutter, Redbox and all that. Right. So those have not been announced yet. But now that we're fully with Uncorked, that'll be great because Clint will know everything at October Coast. And I'm sure he'll let you guys know. And Keith, our rep over at Uncorked, will let us know. And we'll blast it all over all our profiles. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, so after the bleachers, what's next? <laughs> after Mr. Bleachers, what's <laughs> next? Oh, my God. I, you know, I don't I don't know. Um, I... I liked directing. Um, I think I'm maybe ready to try it again. I mean, I'm I'm a jack of many trades, master of none kind of thing. I mean, literally, I I know how to train dogs. I shoot headshots. I'm an actor. I can produce a little bit. I teach good acting classes. I'm a director? Question mark. I mean, I know how to talk to actors, right? So for this one, I just knew I had to assemble a really great team of other collaborators, filmmaker types that I already had relationships with, and be like, all right. <laughs> I'm going to need some help here. I'm going to need some support. Uh, but I think the, the ship sailed pretty well. Um, so for if it was, uh, the right project came along, if something was to drop in my lap, I would certainly love to uh, try directing again. But I think I'm, I'm a little more inclined to be a producer who hunts for acting jobs and hopefully starts creating my own next thing because it's uh, the, the Pacific Northwest is a small a small market when it comes to film and television. So we really have to hustle and create our own, our own way. So I think Angela and I will have to put our heads together and find another script to, uh, to produce and maybe she'll direct it. Well, yeah, no, it's one of those things that, I mean, next for me, which always is us usually, cause I'll rope David in in some way, if it's not to act with me or to help me at least produce it. I have a couple things in the fire. Like I said, we have those three shorts we're going to be doing. So that's exciting. Um, we have a couple uh, feature films that we're consulting producers or associate producers on and are being invited to audition for. So those may pan out, but the big thing, thing I'm working on next is uh, a collaboration with an amazing playwright, uh, Emily Combert, who I did a really powerful original work with her years ago. And she wrote this amazing uh, new work and she wants help turning it into a movie. So I would love to help her with that. It's kind of like Royal Tannenbaums meets God, I don't even know where to go. Meets in the bedroom. I mean, it's a heartbreaking story, but super quirky, too, and really heightened family and characters. Mm. But it all revolves around the loss of um, this child. So uh, right now we're in early, early stages getting grants for that. Bleachers, I think, is going to take a lot of our time. Mr. Bleachers, look it up. 
we've got teaser trailers out and a lot of stuff floating around about that. It's going to be a little cult classic, I think. It's some pretty crazy stuff. So that I think is going to take a lot of our time. But I also wrote a short film that now I've convinced myself I have to make it a feature, which will star David and Bill Opers Jr. Oh, wow. Very so cool. that and it's it's uh, I won't do too much uh, spoiler because I obviously now need to actually change the short into a feature. Uh, but it's it, it's just it's a narrative. It's it's a I mean, obviously, all film or narrative, but meaning it, it will just be um, a I'm not going to say a drama, but it is definitely not horror thriller based. So this could also be a very big like something Bill people haven't seen, but a really beautiful story about a father and a son. Okay. Well, yeah. If y'all ever do a horror film about two podcast hosts being stuck, uh, we may know a couple guys. Okay. Right. Now, Heck guys. yeah. You never know. I can always make some good little cameos. I can always do it. <laughs> I just have wrote one request, and that's that uh, I die in a humorous way. Obvious. Love it. <laughs> Noted. No, that's the cool thing about Bleachers. Bleachers is actually that that dark comedy. I mean, there's a lot of comedy and humor to it. Um, Tim Carpenter, our friend who's the writer-director, uh, all three of us, when we were helping him with the casting process and how it worked out, it also, we got very inspired by the movie Get Out, which obviously okay. is not a dark comedy. It touches on, obviously, really serious subject matter. But our film kind of touches on classism, racism, but yet there's this, like, over the top there's definitely some humorous deaths that'll be great mm-hmm. when we see you guys maybe a year from now an interview and we could tell you the scene we didn't get to do which might have been what derek would have wanted he would have maybe wanted that scene <laughs> absolutely <laughs> um i am intrigued <laughs> since we're coming towards the end of the show um where can people find you guys online oh goodness well uh Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, me, I'm for my own personal stuff, it's mostly at David S. Hogan, the exception being Twitter, because somebody already had that. Ugh. Not a very active user, by the way, so not cool. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so David Scott Hogan on Twitter. Uh, the Parish Movie is how you'll find The Parish, also on those social media channels. And our business is, I believe, at Mighty Tripod. Mighty Tripod on all of those channels as well. And, of course, we have a website. Of course. MightyTripod.com, especially for actors. MightyTripod.com. Train with us, like because right now we're virtual, so it's been great getting students outside of Seattle uh, coming into our studio. That's been cool. And for me, I'm at I'm... Angela DeMarco, and that's DeMarco, D-I-M-A-R-C-O. And I'm on all of them, the IG, the FB, and the tweet, tweet, and TikTok. But we're still learning that. You know, we're old, so we're still learning it. <laughs> I, no, I, no judgment, no judging. I, I'm, I'm <laughs> still any judgment from us. <laughs> we're, we're still trying to master Instagram. I feel Master, you're saying. how about trying to figure out? Totally. That's it. It is. I mean, yeah. I'm I'm barely got Twitter figured out. It's like, just oh. as I have it figured out, it's like, okay, things have changed. I'm so Thank bad you, at all that. 
the the socials so bad. It's so true, Derek. I mean, I remember when David, this is a shout out to like those of us of this generation. I was like, oh yeah, MySpace, right when I figured that out, (laughs) Facebook, right when I figured out Vine, it went to TikTok. I mean, whatever. (laughs) So, so Periscope's still a thing, right? Huh? (laughs) (laughs) Periscope. Yes. I remember that very fondly. Snapchat, right? I tried it and yeah, left it behind. Yeah. What about remember Friendster? Yes. Yes, of course. Yeah. I mean, who? Right. Next, we'll see what happens next year. I mean, there's just there's always going to be new stuff. Mm. I always fight against it, but then David convinces me, and I dive in. Remember, remember when we had dial-up modems and you looked in the phone books for bulletin boards to, to call? Uh, Mike, yes, and how about a Thomas guide and we didn't have GPS? I mean, how about my paper and my pager? I didn't have a cell phone. I mean, what about our Nintendo 64? I mean, let's just, let's really break this down. Atari 2600. <laughs> Atari, of course. Yeah, for, yes. For or actually, I'll even go pre-Atari 600. My first game machine in our house when I lived in Kentucky yeah. was the old Sears and Robot Pong. Yeah, oh, the Pong, of course. And it, and it had like 10 or 12 different vari- different variations of Pong. My uncle had the different, he had the Pong. That had to be what he had. And I remember I, I was so excited when I go to his house and play. It was from Sears. Yeah, I it believe a, it. It was a Sears machine. The Pong, that was it. We had a laser disc. Let me, I'll tell you, let me tell you guys. Ooh, laser disc. I had <laughs> HS Betamax. Yes. Mm-hmm. We had mm-hmm. 8-track. So, yes. what, so one, after after watching one, Star Wars, I had the 8-track of the story of Star Wars. Whoa. There you go. Which was the movie, which we're was old. the audio. That's, we're all finding out. Shit. We're old. And it was the audio track of the film on 8-track. <laughs> That's awesome. There is. I'll tell you one story that happened in my life that made me feel really old. <laughs> And Mike, you might have heard this. One day I was talking to a younger coworker who was, I don't know, maybe in their 20s or something. And we were talking about rap music. And I said, I'm not really a big fan of rap music, the rap music, especially today and stuff. Um, I don't really like it. I said, I used to like rap music, you know, back in the old days. And he goes, oh, you mean like Tupac and Biggie? And I was like, no, I mean like Run DMC, DC Boys, the Fat Boys. <laughs> Stuff like that. I'm so old that even your what you think is old is younger than what I actually am. Yeah, totally true. But that's like Derek. You just named like that. That's yeah. That's what was up. You know, that's what we were all listening to. And uh, it's oh man. I mean, we have students of all ages from. You know, I think our youngest, we've had a, a six-year-old and then all the way to 86. And, you know, but when we're talking to the the younger kiddos and when I'm coaching them or training them, you know, sometimes I'll mention something and I could just see the deer in the headlights. They're, you know, they don't know pre-cell phone. They don't know pre pre they don't, you know, none of this. It's yeah. so crazy. Well, that's when you just Google it. What one might right. One one of my favorite comedy albums was Billy Crystal's Marvelous, and he talks about when his daughter mm. asked him about Paul McCartney. Is it true, Dad? Paul McCartney was in a band before Wings. And he goes, the age spots just <laughs> come to the surface. <laughs> well, <laughs> in ninety one, ninety two, uh, I was working uh, at a summer camp, and the 
I, I'm playing that because it, it was one of the cleaner sketches I would, I would play um, in the cabin. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this kid literally looked at me and goes, yeah, is it true Paul McCartney was in a band before Wings? And I'm like, <laughs> oh, oh, this hurts. And I was in my 20s at that point. I'm like, okay, uh, this is old. But that's like hearing uh, 80s and 90s songs on the classic rock station now. Right. Right. Oh, here, here, uh, here's classic rock means the 70s. Just to show yes. I, have, I have been a great parent. Beginning of the school year for my daughter uh, in music class, there were, uh, the teacher was asking, you know, what type of artist do you like listening to, you know, whatnot. And my daughter's like, as everyone's listing different things, she's like, eh, yeah. And the music teacher says, well, what about you? She goes, I don't like the new stuff. It's all crap. Stuff I like is Pat Benatar, Def Leppard, Police, <laughs> yeah. Pink Floyd. I'm like, that's my girl. That is, I was like, that's my girl. I mean, Hell it was my yeah. man, but I was listening to Def Leppard, and that was when everyone around me was listening to um, one of the boy bands, whatever came out then. And I was like, Ugh. it was like Vanilla Ice and something else. And I was like the girl listening to Def Leppard. I was all about it. Although I did get a little pulled into Poison. A little bit. A little bit. And I know that's a little embarrassing, but I'll admit it. We, for my wife and I, uh, for my wife and I, when we hit our our 10th wedding anniversary, um, it was a two-day event. Uh, The day before, we saw um, my sister-in-law came down with her husband and a good friend of, of all of ours because we they were big Tesla fans and Tesla was Ooh, opening Tesla. it was a good show I mean they, they were a good opening act but I was I was there more for seeing them headline twice I was there right. more for who the headliner was because it was a group I wanted to see back in 82 83 in Oklahoma City that was Def Leppard yes so Tesla mm. opened for Def Leppard and it was a hell of a night Nice. Um, but I finally got to see Leopard. I'm like, I, as long as they're still touring, I want to get back. Yeah, and I want to take my daughter now to go see Leopard. Oh, uh, and, and just so and just explain to her the drummer only has one arm, and listen to the drum sound. Yeah, it's a blow you away. Um, the next night was um, Pat Benatar, which is my wife's favorite group, uh, favorite artist. And her opening act was a group called Opera. And the lead singer, uh, it was a husband, wife, uh, and then a third person on drums. Um, the lead, the, the wife was Martika. Hmm. Kids Incorporated. And of course, she had that yeah. one, that one hit, uh, One Ten Soldier. Oh my God. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah, okay. to see her, they had a. They only did two albums. I yeah, they only did the two albums. I've, we've got both albums. I'm like, but they they had something that they could have gone more. But I have no clue what happened to. Them. Mm. But um, you you mentioned earlier. You you mentioned earlier um, watching. It was either listen to Pink Floyd or watch a horror film. Do you have a favorite Pink Floyd album? Oh, it's still the wall. And I think that's all because of that. I mean, literally. Oh, my God. I li- like, hello. <laughs> <laughs> hello. There it is right there. Um, it's uh, 
but I know that is total nostalgia. I mean, that's just I'm at yeah. what I just did, you guys. Listening, I just held up a vinyl. wall vinyl. I have all I have so much vi- I have vinyl like that's newer that I've gotten over the years, obviously, and then vinyl all the way from when I was that kiddo. But um, yeah, that just- made such an impact. My uncle would blast it. And we'd be in the room and, you know, and listening to all those kids. I just remember as this little kid hearing these kids like, we don't need no education. And like the mm-hmm. health doctor, he'd always move the speakers in our little living yeah. room so I could hear the. I mean, it just made such an impact on me as a little girl. So well, I just got an email today saying that. um you can pre-order now live at at Nebworth the 1990 concert. <gasps> mm, okay. okay, taking uh, note. I'm a huge Floyd fan, and I've yeah. discovered they they've been releasing some of these live shows from other locations. But apparently, there was another Floyd album that came out in 2014 that was pre uh, pre recorded um, works that they put together for like one more studio album which I never realized that I need to try and find uh, what what is on the mm. track list shine on your crazy diamond parts one through five. Oh my god the great gig in the sky mm-hmm. wish you were here sorrow money comfortably numb and run like hell mm-hmm. classic and, can't be sorry people and I, I want to get this. Um, for me, I think we got to take. for me, I, I'm tie, I'm split on top Floyd albums. I'm a uh, hyper at the gates of dawn, and then Saucer Full of Secrets. Mm, okay, oh, yeah, you are a Floyd fan. That is, yeah, that's legit. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's legit. P- Piper's the only one with Sid Barrett on it, uh, where he sings, and Saucer is the first full album with David Gilmore. Uh, where they're still tackling a lot of the Sid Barrett songs that he wrote uh, before he went off into his uh, hermit phase. Hermit phase. So, like we all do, like we've all done for a year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. On that note, um, I I need a refill, gents. So I do well, too, gents. Time for Daddy to get some wine. Thank you guys for coming on with us. It, it's definitely a blast. We had great conversation. Thank you guys Thanks for having That's us. Awesome. And definitely, when Mister Bleachers comes out, let's let's get you guys back and other cast members as well. Yeah, definitely. I'd I'd love that. Let's make it happen. So, um, so on. Let's, it's soon. Go ahead, Derek. I said, let's hope it's soon. Yes. Yes. Let, let's. Thank you, soon. Derek. And on that note, we only ask. Want to know more? Uh, <laughs> So, um, the bad crowd you've been hanging out with is a science fiction club? This has been a Weeby Geeks production. You know how Peter Parker doesn't always know how to tell Mary Jane how he really feels? Or how Tony Stark seems to have everything but not the deep emotional connection his complex soul craves? Well, you don't have to be a superhero or a wealthy industrialist to experience the kind of rich relationships and life we all long for. I'm Mark Wen, and I'm a men's wisdom coach. After people work with me, they have the confidence, emotional intelligence, and communication skills they need to be the heroes of their own story. To find out more, go to markwentcoaching.com. M-A-R-C-W-E-N-D-T coaching.com.
Attention, people of Earth! Looking for a way to kill half an hour every week? Try the Flopcast! It's a silly podcast about cartoons, music, comics, movies, obscure pop culture from the 70s and 80s, and chickens. Join us! Bring coffee! We're on the ESO Network. And we're at Flopcast.net. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. This has been a Weeby Geeks production.